0: (laughs) That's all right. Hey, uh, happy Valentine's Day. That's this week, right? So, um, Jesus is the reason for the season. You guys know that, right? Valentine's Day. Um, It's true. Valentine's Day, we celebrate the... um, We remember St. Valentine who was martyred for his faith. You you know that? Have you heard the story? So, this was uh, the first century A.D. So, this is right around... Uh, shortly after Jesus was crucified and and went back up into heaven. So uh, the, the early church was around, and this is kind of the story believed of this guy. It was a long time ago, so people aren't really sure of the story. But this guy, Valentinus, he's in, near Rome, outside of the cities. He goes and he visits this judge called Asterius. And um, back in during the Roman Empire, it was illegal for Christians to to tell people about Jesus. And so Valentinus is sitting with this judge and he starts to tell him about Jesus. And uh, instead of being really upset and trying to take action, this judge says, okay, well, let's debate this Jesus that you say is the Messiah. In fact, I want you to prove his power. So he brings in his daughter who's blind and says, if you can heal my daughter, then I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And so Valentinus puts his hands on the daughter's eyes and she is healed. And... Uh, uh, Asterius says, okay, what do you want from me? And he, and he says, uh, Valentinus tells him, take down all the idols in your house. I want you to, just, to destroy them. And then you should follow Jesus and be baptized. And so as a result, Asterius' entire house of 40 people, including all of his servants, they all came to Jesus and were baptized. And, and on top of that, being a judge, he had power to release Christians from the local jail. So a pretty cool part of the story gives you a little picture of this man who's willing to stand against what is legal and share his faith. Um, but Valentinus ended up spending time with Claudius II, who was the ruler of Rome at that time. And uh, Claudius liked him until he started telling him about Jesus. And he said, you've got to knock that off. Uh, if you don't, then we'll have you beaten and beheaded. And Valentinus said, I'm not going to stop. And so he was killed, believed on February 14th, 269 A.D. And that's what we remember. And over the years, on top of this just being a day for us to remember our commitment to Jesus, um, romantic love has kind of been brought into the holiday for a number of reasons. But I think what we should remember in this time is uh, Jesus is at the heart of that, that love is the expression of who he is. So Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the center. Not like, um, you know, you're out with your wife for Valentine's Day and, you know, room for the Holy Ghost, you know, or um, you're, you're sitting there and you're making your moves and you, you go to kiss her and, and Jesus is like, ah, no, no, don't mind me. Keep going. Um, you know, more of, more of Jesus, is, Jesus is what we're doing. He loves that relationship. It's a picture of, of him with the church. So happy Valentine's Day. We should do that. What are we here to talk about? Um, So, we've been working on this series through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, this came about because the disciples, they would watch Jesus as he would go up and spend time alone with God in deep intimacy with his Father. And they said, hey, I would like some of that. Would you teach me how to pray? And so Jesus taught us to pray, not delivering us a script for what prayer should look like, but instead giving us kind of steps or a pathway into intimacy with God that we can follow. So if you remember, we we looked at um, first week, you guys are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, and since we've been studying it, you know all the phrases, but our Father, may your name be kept holy, where we looked at the picture of Jesus this daddy who loves us and scoops us up into his arms. And from that place, we look at him and say, you're the center of our lives. And then the second phrase we looked at, may your kingdom come. That From that place, in his arms, we say, I want your, your ways. I want your things to come about in the world, your kingdom to be revealed. And then we looked at uh, the next phrase, give us this day what we need, that we trust him to deliver for everything that we need along, along the way, that he's our provider, he's, he's our sustainer. And then last week, we looked at the art of forgiveness. That just like he forgave us, we forgive others. And then this week, we're going to be looking at this, uh, the last section of the Lord's Prayer. It's two phrases. We're going to finish up this section, then Tom's going to wrap up the whole series next week. Um, so this last section, Matthew 6, 13. Um, it says, and don't let us yield to temptation, phrase one, but rescue us from the evil one. And I think as we wrap this up, we're going to see that what Jesus has provided for us is a process. It's, it's a step-by-step into this intimacy. So here's what I mean, that first phase of seeing God as this, this amazing, loving father. That's like the framework. Everything is built on top of that part. And then the next step then is, may your kingdom come. That in a relationship, the more and more we love someone, the more and more our desires are aligned. So, we say, we only want what you want in the world. And then, from there, we start to say, but we trust you in everything. And building that, building on that relationship. And then, the art of forgiveness where this is this place where um, we become more and more like him, is that foundation is strong, and it starts to bubble up in us, and the character of God begins to be revealed in our behavior. And then, this last phrase Today is the the last step into intimacy where we commit everything to Him, and um, what I'm going to propose to you today is that Jesus led us into process into a trust fall. Okay, you guys know what a trust fall is. Okay, well here's a little video if you're not familiar. Okay, not quite right. Let's try one more. <laughs> I like this one a little better. <laughs> While well, this is going, well, you, if you, uh, anyone who knows Mare and I know that the whole purpose of my Instagram account is for Mare and I to send videos and pictures of dogs back and forth. We're, we're kind of crazy dog people. Watson gets it. It's a good trust fall. Okay, so our trust fall. And we're going to look at these two phrases of this passage. The first one, don't let us yield into temptation. The first thing to understand about this is that God is, or Jesus is not promising to us that we wouldn't face temptation. That's just not true. Anyone face some temptation yet this morning? We face temptation all the time. In fact, Jesus himself faced temptation, and he had to face temptation. Here's how I know. Let's look at Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 And it says, Because God's children are human beings, that's us. Made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human could be as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels, he came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect, like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be merciful and our faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself had gone through suffering and testing, he is able to save us when we are being tested. Here's how I look at this. I like ice cream. Um, Mint chocolate chip is my favorite right now, Turkey Hill has a a flavor of of mint chocolate chip that that is the best I can find so I need ice cream, let's say I might need ice cream tonight, I'm not sure we'll see how I feel So I need to go to the store and I go into the ice cream aisle and I go and I take out a carton of ice cream and I take it up to the counter and I put it down and I reach in my pocket and I get a $5 bill and I put it in front of the cashier. And once I put it down, I realized that what I gave her was this really damaged, like major chunks of the $5 bill are gone. It's just crumpled, barely recognizable as a $5 bill. And the cashier looks at me and says, I'm sorry, but I I can't accept your payment for your ice cream. This makes me sad. So, what I need is another, this guy behind me comes up to the cashier and he says, I've got this. He reaches into his pocket and he pulls out his keys and he puts them on the counter and says, there, I've paid for the ice cream. So, this guy, cashier's looking at us both like we're kind of crazy, you know. The keys are not the equivalent payment that is acceptable to pay for my ice cream. Unless the man pulls out a crisp $5 bill. He can't pay for my ice cream because it required that kind of payment. So my soul is damaged beyond the point of recognition by this disease of sin that has taken me and twisted the image of God. And so now the payment or the result of of that sin in my life is death. And the only way that that can be met is if a crisp soul, a sinless soul, is put down on my behalf and that's the sufficient payment to cleanse me from my unrighteousness, to save me from death. It had to be that equal exchange. That's why Jesus had to face temptation and pay for, for our sins and re- restore us into relationship with him. And the cool part about that is because he had to face temptation just like we did, and in Scripture, we have an example of his temptation so that we can follow in his way and we can have victory over temptation as we learn from him and follow in his steps. So we're going to look at this um, temptation of Jesus just two chapters before we just the, the Lord's Prayer that we've been working in in Matthew 4. For verse 1 it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became hungry. So isn't it true for us that temptation is its, at its worst when we are at it our weakest So Jesus is in this place, and he's tired. And then he faces his first temptation. Verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Really poking at that sensitive place as Jesus is just maybe struggling to stand, and Satan is saying, you say that God takes care of you? You say he is in control? Well, how's that going for you? This is the temptation for us to take control, for us to say, my way, not yours. The temptation to Jesus to step in and say, I'm going to take control. I'm going to provide for my needs. You're not doing what I need. That's the temptation. How easy is it for us as we go through our days? Because life is hard. We can be tired and we can be weary. And we can sometimes look at God and say, this is too difficult. You don't know what you're doing. I'm going to take control of this situation. The temptation to take control. But Jesus is successful in this temptation. He overcomes the evil. And he says, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He gets it. Even though the bread is something that he does need, food is something he needs, he understands that having God in control of all things, that is where our true source and true life comes from. So no amount of temptation can remove his trust that God is in control. Victory over temptation. I think that's pretty exciting. The next one, we're going to look at verse 5. I call this the temptation to doubt God's promises. Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So this one is a little more challenging to understand. First of all, most scholars believe that what's happening is Jesus is not teleporting around the wilderness. That even though he's tired, he still has to walk to all these places. So imagine having to climb up to the top of a temple. And the top, the peak of this well-known temple would have been, uh, looking down over the top, would have been a 450-foot drop. So it's kind of a big deal for him to be up on top of this. And then think about what the temple would represent for the nation of Israel. That ever since sin entered into the world, ever since Adam and Eve turned away, God promised, I'm going to restore my creation. And then over time, through Abraham, then through the nation of Israel, God is faithful, and he's saying, I am going to restore my creation through you. So standing on top of this temple, the very place that is the embodiment of all of his promises, all of his faithfulness, Satan is poking at him and saying, all those promises, not so good, huh? We can start to doubt those things, and and you can move into God's place here, that you don't have to trust his faithfulness and his promises. What does that look like for us? Maybe we are tempted to not trust in his promises for us, that he would say, you say that I am your child. I just don't believe that. How could you love me? That you say that salvation is good for me, that I have hope for a future. I just don't see it. We begin to doubt the faithfulness of God. But Satan is put into his place pretty quickly. First of all, Satan was misusing Scripture in this instance, but Jesus retorts with the right way to use Scripture. He says to him, "Um, The Scriptures also say, Satan, you must not test the Lord your God. And he twists it around and puts it right back where it should be, that no, God is faithful. God is true. I can trust him in all things and have success over temptation. The third temptation that we see here. This is the temptation to replace God altogether. Verse 8 says, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he says, if you will kneel down and worship me. So we learn from the Bible that following Jesus isn't easy. We talk about our mission statement to see this kingdom of God revealed. That is a difficult call. It's a narrow road. That's what it's described as in in the Bible. It's hard because what Jesus is calling us to do is follow God and express his character in the world. And that means laying my life down for my neighbor, not even just loving my neighbor, but loving my enemy, that giving up all else to see his name glorified. It's hard. How much more easy would it be for us to remove him from his throne and start to pursue the broad road Like the Bible tells us, that it is so much easier to pursue the honor and the fame and the glory, all of the things of this world, looking out over this kingdom. This is a very real temptation for us, for us to remove God completely from his throne, see all the powers, the prosperity of this world, and all we can pursue as our ultimate pursuit. Last time Jesus is successful here, and he just says, Get out of here, Satan. For the Bible says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil went away. The angels came back and took care of Jesus. So this first phrase, lead us not into temptation, I think is really more of a cry. This is the first phase of our trust fall to say, God save me. Deliver me from this when I am facing temptation. And Jesus is saying, um, let go of the things that keep you from God those temptations that stand in the way of us in intimacy with God. So i got a story to help, help communicate what I'm trying to say. I've got a picture here. This is um, Google um, showing my family's house. This is where I grew up. So um, relevant to the story, I need you to understand that because this is Google, the camera was taken from on top of a vehicle. So it's fisheye lens, and I feel like it makes things look shorter than they are. Uh, This story is about tree climbing, and I just need you to understand the massive size of the trees over to the left. It's very important. So we're going to talk about the one furthest to the left. Um, I was seven or eight years old, and my brother, my older brother, is two years older than me. Um... Honestly, I don't know that I was seven or eight, but it sounds less embarrassing than for me to say I was nine or ten. I don't know. So we'll say we were seven or eight, and I decided watching my brother climb that tree over to the far left was a pretty cool thing, so I should do that too. So uh, I followed him, and he's climbing up the tree, and I'm, I'm following his path along the branches. And you can see the lower, the lower wires there, so that's at least 50 feet. That was a joke. Um, I'm up at those wires, and I keep going. The second set of wires are a little harder to see on this screen, but there's another set at the top of the wires there, so that's like 250 feet. I'm getting high. We keep climbing and climbing, and eventually I think I'm just as high as Jesus was on the top of, you know, 450 feet on the top of the, the temple. We're up there, and I look up, and my, my older brother is about high enough to start to see the tree, the tree sway a little bit. And, uh, and at that point, I look down, And I recognized that I never learned to climb back down the tree. I had only watched him to learn to go up. So now I'm terrified. I grab onto the tree and I cry, save me. And my older brother, this time, was a great older brother. He came down to me. He came to the the branch below me. And he's like, hey, step on my back. I'll hold your hand. Let me help guide you all the way back down to the ground. But I refused to let go. It was like a total death grip on the tree. And he had to go and get my dad to come and get me out of the tree. So he goes all the way down, runs inside. My dad comes out. My dad hates heights, would never be climbing a tree. And he's sitting there surveying this situation. How am I going to get my son down? So he goes and he gets a rope, and he he climbs up to me in the tree, and he wraps the rope around me and ties this knot. I can't imagine what it would have been going through his mind there, just like all of his knot-tying experience, that this has to be strong enough to hold my son And so once he's finished, he says to me, okay, now you need to let go of the tree. I've got you. I'm going to lower you down to the ground. And slowly my fingers start to lose their grip on the tree. That's this first phase. This God save me, let us not yield to temptation. And then we're going to move into the second phrase. But before we do that, I've got, um, I believe, another example of God praying both of these phrases Um, The first one, let us not yield to temptation, this is in Matthew 26, verse 39. This is Jesus in the the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is leading up to when he will be crucified. He knew all the things that that were going to be happening to him. And he prayed, he says, he went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And then you can almost hear his fingers start to release, and he says, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. This first phase of this trust fall, let us not yield into temptation. And then he moves on. we get to see the second phase, the second phrase here that we find, rescue me from the evil one. Because think about this. Once I'm at this place on the tree and I've let go and my dad has the rope on me, And he starts to lower me slowly down to the ground. Before, I was crying, save me. Now my cries are very different. Don't let me die, right? Deliver me safely to the ground. That's what we start to see here. This this complete, this rescue me from the evil one is a different kind of prayer as we've released the things that stand in the way of our relationship with God And suddenly we have to trust him. And this is uh, Luke 23, verse 46. Jesus has now been um, nailed to the cross. He's been abused, uh, beaten beyond recognition. And he says, shouts, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those last words, he breathed his last. That in these positions where I'm being lowered to the tree, where Jesus is on the cross, And we've abandoned everything. We've given everything over to him. There is nowhere else to go but to fall into God's arms and trust that he will deliver us safely home and fall down to the ground. That's the second part of our trust fall where we commit everything to him. You see how all the steps of this process led us up to this point that we have the right position in our view of our relationship with him. And now the challenge is release and trust. And fall into his arms. I like the word deliver. I think of like the UPS guy. I can track my shipment all the way home. But then it gets put on my front door. And it's delivered. It's safely home. That's what God promises to do. If we remove the things that stand in the way. Of our intimacy with him. And we trust him to deliver us. To take us safely home. Committing everything to him. And that's the end of our. Our um, Lord's prayer. So today. Just like we have been every week, we're going to take some practical steps. This is time for our trust fall. So what we're going to do at the end of the day here is we're going to, we're going to go quietly through each of the steps of the Lord's Prayer, these phrases, and, and take a little bit of time to prepare our hearts. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to consider what are the things that you are holding on to? What is the fear that is, is keeping you attached to that tree? What are the things that stand in the way of, an in, of intimacy with God? Maybe it's those temptations that Jesus experienced. The temptation to take control over your life. Or the temptation to not trust in his faithfulness. Or to remove him from his throne altogether. Maybe it's something else. This invitation into his intimacy, this partnership with branches for us to see the kingdom of God. It's an invitation into doing these things, releasing those things and moving into a a relationship with him. And we want to take those steps. So I'll guide you into that. And then um, the worship team, they're going to come forward um, while we are going to spend some time in prayer. They'll lead us eventually into a song. And this is your response time. If you want to sing, if that's where you are in that process of releasing the things that stand in the way of your intimacy with him, then sing the songs. If you need to be quiet in that time, or hey, there's no reason to wait until the end for you to come forward. We have this response time. Um, at the end of services, for you to do business with God. Just come up during the song. And while you're in that process, as you release those things, fall into his arms and trust him to deliver you safely home. The challenge today I want to give uh, is a little bit, um, might feel a little strange, because there's nothing spiritual about the trust fall. Definitely nothing spiritual about those videos that we watched earlier. Um, But there is something emotional and in recognizing Um, our moves into a trust fall. So the challenge is, why don't you do work with God and do that spiritually, but I'd like to challenge you to also do that physically, that as you come forward, it's not required, but I'm just curious to see if anyone's going to do this. Anyone's going to take the step and say, no, I'm not holding back here. I'm committing everything to God, and I'm going to do that right now just in a demonstrative way. I'm going to go ahead and have a trust fall. We've got some strong, I was told that there will be beef up here, as in (laughs) some, some tough guys. They can catch you. And then seek prayer as you come and and release those things and trust him to deliver you safely home. So let's take some time um, and work through these steps of the Lord's Prayer. Holy Father, first of all, we are grateful for your love we are grateful for your work. That is the right payment from my turning away. Your Son came to this earth to live perfectly, to die for me, and to invite me into relationship with you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move today. Help us to understand with clarity all the things that, we, that are challenging us and keeping us away from knowing you greater. And right now, God, we're going to take a few moments to, to recognize that you are our daddy that you love us deeply we are your children and you hold us in your arms and in that place you are our God alone everything revolves around you and the more we squeeze into you the more we trust you We want to see the same things you want. We want your healing. We want your restoration. We want your redemption. We want your kingdom to come. God, may your kingdom come. You are so good, God. And being a good God, you have cared for us. Daily, you sustain us. You give us the food we need, the air we need to breathe. You give us life. Right now, we all agree we trust you for all things, God. We trust you. We want to be like you, God. We want your glory to be seen. We want your love to be known. We want your forgiveness to be experienced. Just like you forgave us, help us to forgive others. And now today, God, we've, we've prepared our hearts. We want nothing more but to trust you with everything. But in this place where sin has a hold, where the, the ruling powers of this world, they oppress us and we are tempted. We recognize that we may be failing maybe holding on desperately to this tree and afraid to let go and trust you point very clearly at all the things that stand in between us and our relationship with you that god where i want to control my life that you would release that that i only want you to be in control because that's that's the only hope i have we release all control And we trust in your faithfulness. You've been faithful for all of your promises for all time. And there is no reason for us to think you will not continue to do so. You are faithful, God. You alone are God above all else. When I struggle, when I want to give in and I want to be my own God or I want to pursue this world, we recognize the glory of a God who heals and we put you on the throne in our hearts. Okay, take a few moments as we go into this song and identify exactly what it is that you need to release in order to come into relationship with him. And let's move our prayers from God save me to God deliver me safely home. Deliver us from the evil one. Take your trust fall today to intimacy with. You.